back to But Is It Healthy? Thank you guys for listening. I am a little bit apologetic about how bad all of our quality is going to be this season, but this is our first season, so welcome to the show. We're going to see how this goes. My name is Laura, by the way, and I'll be hosting you this season. So how we picked topics for this particular show is that I basically went through Google Trends and looked to see what people were asking if things were healthy. A lot of food, a lot of food, a lot of diet plans too. So we're going to go through this and keep your fingers crossed for me that I don't end up with orthorexia, which I keep seeing as a term now. Yay. But for this week, we're going to be talking about Thai food and the lovely question that apparently thousands of people in California, according to Google, are asking is, is Thai food healthy or is Pad Thai healthy? The two terms we're treated synonymously by Google. We will be talking about them as separate terms, however, as pad thai is a specific kind of Thai food, referring to a fried noodle dish, versus Thai food in general, which would just be cuisine that has its origins in Thailand. So when I went through this, I had my initial bias going in, and my initial bias to Thai food was I had Thai food once. It was takeout that I got in college with a friend of mine who told me, you'll love it, did not ask me about my allergies, and I basically wound up horribly ill as a result. So, went into this a little bit prejudiced against Thai food. So, when I'm talking about this, the fact that I'm coming out pretty much in favor of Thai food is pretty impressive. I'm very excited to be wrong. It doesn't happen, um, well, let's be honest, being wrong happens a lot, but it's very interesting to get to look at everything from a scientific perspective and grow from like I had one bad experience with this um, food and now I get to look at it and go I can't wait to go try some of this. So looking into this I first had to look up what some popular orders were as far as like Americans take on Thai food because while I'm assuming people in Thailand don't ask the question of is Thai food healthy because it's just their normal food. So Looking at that from the perspective of an outsider, well, I looked at what people typically eat, um, how it kind of expanded out into the world, so get a little bit into the Kitchen of the World project that Thailand's got going on. Looked at some of the health impacts on both the people of Thailand and um, people in general. Um, looked at some of the negatives of that globalization of food going on, and you know, some of the positives too. It's really exciting. So my pronunciation is going to be a little bit off. Um, my experience with Asian languages are very strictly Okinawan Japanese. So please be kind. I apologize. I am trying very hard. So popular orders of Thai food that I came across as the ones that hit on top five lists for a bunch of different food blogs in general. Um, we have Tom Yong Gong. Uh, so that's going to be... Uh, your one of your soups. We also have tom kai ka kai. Um, it's going to be the chicken version. The other one's I think it was shrimp. It it's different. I have that here in my notes somewhere. Um, your other ones that we saw pad thai obviously came up. Um, gang dang. Um, so that's your red curry, and then your cow pad, which is uh, the Thai version of fried rice. So all of these foods are very exciting to look at. And when just researching that, because there are a lot of Thai restaurants out in the world, given the fact that a lot of places don't necessarily have that huge Thai population, 
um, you end up coming across the term the kitchen of the world. Uh, I've been informed that this was talked about on YouTube, on food theory, and a couple of other places. So you may know more about that than I do, but from what I found from the Thai kitchen of the world, I looked at it specifically from what the Thai government has put out and what has been um, peer-reviewed and is academically available. So the Kitchen of the World project has a couple of different papers that they've published. One of them was on uh, educating people through digital formats back in the early 2010s. So, you know, they were ahead of the game, man. <laughs> Living here in 2022, that's a very common part of life. We learn virtually all the time. But th in... 2013, when they published their article, that they were cutting edge. They, they knew what they were talking about. The Thai Kitchen of the World has a couple of major things that they're going on. One of their big goals is to support agriculture in Thailand and then make them a world power as far as exporting their agricultural products. Um, in order to do that, they the Thai government has some pretty strict uh, safety standards as far as their food goes. They have a whole safety screening process. I don't have access to all of the process. Uh, one of the papers that was published, I will have it in our bibliography for you to check out, talks about the safety screening eliminating rice wine, which I now have a strong desire to find some rice wine from Thailand. I've had sake. I'm assuming they're different. And nothing like being told that this isn't safe uh, to make me want to go do it. <laughs> don't, apparently. Government bodies do occasionally know what they're talking about. Um, the other thing that they've done is they really have brought a lot of their traditional foods into the more modern techniques where they have done huge things with, um, banana farming in Thailand and, uh, getting way out of coconut milk, which if y'all have dairy allergies like myself or, uh, are a part of the growing vegan population, the Thai are who you can thank for coconut whey because before it was milk whey. It's still Milkway in a lot of things, which is why you should read your labels all the time. Um, the other thing is that the Thai kitchen of the world does have a standard. Um, you can look up to see if a restaurant in your area has been labeled as Thai Select, Thai Select Premium, if they don't have a certification. Um, in order to meet the certification standards, you have to be making 60% of your food in the traditional Thai fashion which means that you're getting a more authentic food the higher level the ranking is. Or it could mean, you know, that they bought a certificate. Lots of people do that too. So I haven't gotten to see any peer review stuff as to whether or not the certification process does improve food quality. If nothing else, though, it is a good place to start if you're looking for restaurants. But yeah, so those are all very interesting things and very exciting things. Um, the other thing is, we talked about how they're trying to become an agricultural world power. That has a huge impact on the health of their agricultural community. Farmers have better access to clean water and better growing techniques, so they're less dependent on harsh chemicals. Or if they're using harsh chemicals, they are aware of the health risks and safety precautions they need to take. So again, we are helping and improving the lives of people who are growing the food, which is super important. Now, getting into the actual eating of Thai food, um, so I was only able to find one paper looking at Thai food academically from a Western source. There are several other 
sources that I found. Um, my limited ability to read other languages is thwarting me once again. Also, you know, my eternal enemy, the paywall, is definitely coming into effect here, but we still are getting to see a lot of interesting um, research having been done, and it is important to look at the research in the context of the research. One of the papers talks specifically about obesity in Thailand um, and the diet of people who are obese whilst living in Thailand. Uh, that particular study should only be looked at in the context it was written. I don't want to look at that and go, well, according to this, um, people who are obese in Thailand don't consume enough dairy and do consume too many carbohydrates and proteins. So, again, that's within the context of the culture and the setting. I don't have all of the background that would need to go into that, and I also don't have as much obesity research on Thailand itself. I don't have the population demographics. I don't know if they're having an obesity crisis versus if they have a large portion of their population being undernourished. Those are two big things that you look at when you want to look at obesity numbers within the context of uh, national research. You don't want to just be assuming that, hey, we have an obesity crisis, so we should start uh, working to get people to not be obese and you actually have a small percentage of your population with an obesity problem and a greater percent of people who are fighting malnutrition. So again, give and take. Don't have that information, but it was interesting to note that Thailand is apparently looking at that. So just food for thought. Um, but I am gonna be citing that Western paper that talks about uh, the benefits of Thai food. One of the big things that paper talks about is that um, Thai food is very high in antioxidants and anti-inflammatories, just given the spices that are involved in the preparation of Thai food, which generally are considered to be good for you. I know lots of people want to talk about how antioxidants can reduce cancer. Um, whether or not you're going to see that benefit from ordering Thai food once on a Friday night, I can't tell you, because most likely you're not. It's probably more impactful if you consistently eat um, the same foods over and over again so that your body is getting that benefit at a consistent rate versus the more modern way. It's like, oh, well, it's healthy if I eat a salad once a week. Again, I'm not saying you shouldn't eat salad or that you shouldn't eat Thai food, just that you should look at these things practically. Um, one healthy, I'm using air quotations that you can't see because I'm talking to you, meal is not going to counteract the fact that you just decided to go... I don't know, binge whatever your guilty pleasure of choice is. Uh, right now, it's it's still early enough in the year that I'm still drinking eggnog. So, <laughs> um, but that is something to look at. The anti-inflammatory bits, that's going to be very helpful for that long-term reduction of inflammation, arthritis, things of that nature. But again, those are not necessarily going to prevent. Just they might make you feel a little bit better in the short term. Um, you're going to see those anti-inflammatory benefits the most with your soups and your curry, according to this particular paper, um, just because of everything that it has going on. And it also, this paper also talks a lot about the antimicrobial effects of coconut milk, which I have not been able to verify with a second source yet. Uh, that'll go in our show notes if I can find anything by the time this recording goes up, but we got what we got. So would 
having some nice Thai soup when you're not feeling so well be beneficial? Yes. Would having any soup when you're not feeling so well probably make you feel better? Because there's the whole nostalgia, nostalgia factor, if I could speak. Um, going on? Yes. Do with that as you will. But it do, looking at it from that particular paper, you want to be going to get your Tom Yong Gong, your Tom Ka Kai, or your red curry. Um, it talks a little bit about green curry as well, but the paper doesn't go into the same depth. And it primarily is talking about antimicrobial effects with that, which I'm, I'm a little bit leery on still. Like I said, I don't have the knowledge background on antimicrobial foods. So we'll, we'll see what we find out. Um, if anybody has information, hit me up, you know, check the link. Now the big issue with Thai food, and this is going to be a recurring big issue this season, is that in order to make food shelf stable, you have to add preservatives. Now with uh, Thai curry paste or a lot of their other spices, what uh, one particular study found is that they are adding a lot of potato starch. They are adding a lot of potato starch, a lot of xanthan gum, a lot of soy lecithin in order to make their food shelf stable, which we see that in most convenient foods around the world. That's not limited to Thai food. Uh, if you check the label on your potato chips from Idaho, you're still going to notice that about half of them have some kind of lecithin in them just to keep them shelf stable. Uh, you want to talk globalization of food, we're going to see preservatives happening. The issue is the amount that is required. Uh, in order to keep Thai food shelf stable, you're adding, um, I think the paper cites it as a... The issue with adding preservatives is both amount, um, the carbohydrate impact, as I said, this is starch and soy, we are going to be impacting how much uh, carbohydrates you're getting as well as the salt content of your food. So you're going to see slightly higher in carbs, slightly higher in salt, which a lot of people do need to manage their salt levels or manage their carbohydrate intake depending on um, their dietary needs and restrictions. Um, I'm not saying that is like a specific weight loss diet. When I talk about dietary restrictions on this show, we are talking about people who are making dietary decisions based on either intentional values, health requirements, or general lifestyle. Those are all things that are coming into play here. I am not specifically talking about a paleo, keto, gluten-free as a weight loss diet thing. If you're gluten-free because you have celiac disease, that would fall under my definition of what a dietary uh, restriction would be. The other thing to look at is how those preservatives are interacting with those beneficial chemicals within your food source. If they are binding to proteins that would have those anti-inflammatory benefits, then you're going to see less of those benefits in something that you purchased off of a grocery store shelf than something that was made fresh. Um, so as far as that goes, that's going to have an impact on the health benefits or negatives if you are someone with those dietary restrictions. Um, your best bet is definitely going to be only using fresh foods, but are you getting true fresh foods at a restaurant or are they using um, the retractable packaging in order to get some of those base flavors, your spices, your curry paste, things of that nature. And those are all questions that you're going to have to ask at the restaurant, which 
I'm so sorry if you have social anxiety. I'm never going to have easy answers for you there. A lot of this is going to be about asking those hard questions. So the benefit of having this amazing cuisine from another part of the world, assuming you're not in Thailand eating Thai food, is that you're not getting the A, most true version of the cuisine, and B, you may be getting some of those health negatives. You may be getting something with a much higher sodium content. You may be getting something with a much higher carbohydrate content, or you might be getting something with uh, saturated fats. It really depends on the different preservatives and how they're used. Bringing this all back around though, I am still going to be saying that I think Thai food, fresh cooked, properly made Thai food, is definitely more healthy than the alternative, which would be not eating. And even then, it's going to be healthier than some of your other options of getting a ready-made meal that you've made from frozen even, made from a package on the microwave. So go for it. Eat Thai food. Eat Thai food regularly. Enjoy the benefits that are there, which if nothing else is that you're eating something that tends to have a higher vegetable content than um, a steak dinner, so everybody needs to eat their veggies. And if you're getting Thai food, get soup, get curry, try to stay away from pad thai or cow pad. I'm not saying those are going to be the worst options, but in comparison to the other three options that we looked at today, they're going to fall less on the spectrum of health benefit just due to the fact that they are fried. And anything fried is going to have a higher fat content, a higher unsaturated fat content. So, and then again, ask questions what you're at restaurants, check to see if they have their certification, keep the economy moving, keep your palate growing, keep exploring. Food is good. It should taste good. And looking at all of this, I can't wait to get myself some Tom Young Gong because I have found a restaurant in my area that makes this shrimp soup. So until I speak with you next week, have a good one. Rock on. Hello, uh, coming to you here real quick to apologize once again. The bibliography will be in the show notes this time. However, next week we are hoping to have our website up so that you can check out all of the links there instead of having to read through the loveliness that is Spotify show notes. Thank you again and look forward to seeing you next week if you want to hear about protein shakes. Rock on and stay alive for another week.